I grew up in the Midlands and a lot of my friends would say natter. I don't know if that's a word that you, yeah. you use growing up, natter. Definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely is a word that my mum would have used. <laughs> and now, therefore, I use because I'm slowly becoming my mother. And aren't we all? Welcome to The Next Feed, your breastfeeding podcast, where we talk all about parenting, work, and what life is generally like when you're a breastfeeding parent. The reason this podcast exists is because I feel there's a big gap in information about breastfeeding and all the ways in which life alters when you enter this phase of your life. Breastfeeding, expressing, returning to work, and the impact that has on how often you can nurse your child, they can all feel a bit unknown, can't they? So that's why this podcast is here, so we can hear from people who are experienced in supporting mothers and parents, and so that we can hear all those stories from you about what your journey has been like. Talking of which, I think I should introduce today's guest now, shouldn't I? At this episode, we're having a chat with a brilliant stand-up comedian who was a finalist on this year's BBC New Comedy Awards. She is awesome. If you didn't see the show, it's all available on BBC iPlayer. And along with her comedy, which I think she only started performing in 2022. So, yeah, just over a year ago. She's also an events producer and a mum of two. Let's welcome onto today's show Chantal Nash. Her little ones are called Etta. She's the oldest. She's four. And Otis. He's nearly two. Etta and Otis. What a lovely combination of names, don't you think? My theory is black people love a themed name. <laughs> really? There has to be like, it's, it's an unspoken thing and I may be a right joke about it, but like my sisters, we're, I'm called Chantel, Carl and Charisma and the theme is that all sees. Um, there's a, a group of children at, that my kids go to a safe school with that all have male names, but they're all girls. Um, and they all follow a really lovely theme of like being male names for girls, lovely. Um, and so we had Etta, we really struggled to think of a girl's name. Um, so we came up with Etta and then I was like, okay, it needs to complement. So I was like, okay, well, now it's going to have to be like blues and R&B singers from the 1940s and 50s is going to be the theme. <laughs> and I need a name to complement. I breastfed both my children. I breastfed my daughter until she was two. And people got very animated when I told them that. They say, oh my God, you're still breastfeeding that. And she got teeth. To which I would reply, yes. <laughs> and so is every man you ever had suck on your tits, Claire. <laughs> I hope. Let's talk about your comedy then, because I accidentally came across you. And the clip that we've just heard, I was laughing so much, my face Aww. hurt. And it just, it was like... I, I just get it like it's and but I don't often hear comedy with any kind of incorporation of breastfeeding like you hear people talk about parenthood and there's a lot that you kind of you know you think yeah I totally feel that like I get that that's part of my life but the breastfeeding thing I rarely hear jokes about about breastfeeding are the only ones I think I can remember I can remember maybe a couple and they've been male comedians talking yeah, about losing about their breastfeeding. breasts Exactly. And I'm sure that, you know, like at the time I was not a parent yet. I was thinking, oh, you know, that's like a bit weird yeah. or whatever. Do many people use it as material? I no, so Weirdly, I haven't noticed a huge amount of people use it as the basis for material, which I, I'm just waiting for the day that some, some comedian comes out of the woodwork and is like, 
I've been making all these breastfeeding jokes for the last 30 years. And I'm like, finally, you're here. <laughs> I've been looking for you. But no, I, I, I've, not, um, I've not heard a lot of breastfeeding material. And on the kind of the circuit, the comedy circuit that I'm kind of moving in at the moment, which is like a lot of the open mic circuit, you get a lot of kind of new, new comedians on the circuit. And uh, there are some, uh, some who do have little bits and like, like a, a bit like a magpie. And I think it's definitely, there'll be more, I think it's historically the the bigger comedians that you see on like Netflix and stuff aren't, aren't covering breastfeeding, but all parenting in general um, is, is what they're kind of covering. So I, I haven't heard of breastfeeding being a subject for jokes because, well, really like, I guess and maybe people don't find it funny, but it is in lots of ways, a hilarious situation to be in breastfeeding I've had lots of funny moments in it <laughs> my breastfeeding journey and it's all consuming as well isn't it it's it, it... you're the sole solely responsible for keeping this human alive for however long you choose to a year six months whatever um but having that if you're exclusively breastfeeding anyway being the sole life source to another creature is it's all encompassing 100 <laughs> percent when you look back on what breastfeeding was like for say your first child going into it as a new parent like did you have did you have any thoughts about what it might be like did you know much about breastfeeding in fact was it even a conscious decision to to breastfeed so I my first pregnancy my theme my tagline was ignorance is bliss <laughs> and she was a surprise <laughs> and so I was like well we're doing this now I'm just going to see what happens let's just see where life takes me so like I barely did an a, a antenatal class like I did like the one you get free at the hospital because I was like yeah I, I, I'll get it um like just completely and I said about feeding generally I was like yeah I'll give it a go I'll get some formula on deck ready just in case it doesn't work out I, d- I put no pressure on myself whatsoever I just said I'll try if I can't do it I have a backup plan and I, I don't feel any way about which 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 side um and then she arrived and I remember uh like in that moment after you've like just given birth and then they present the baby to you and I looked down after like I stopped crying for about 30 seconds I hadn't even realized she was there um and then I looked down and like a, a midwife had just latched her she was like latch time and like she just kind of done it I was so out of it that she was already feeding and I was like oh okay <laughs> and that was the start of my breastfeeding journey it's just I guess a lot of people would be like well that you know that wasn't that midwife's choice to to make or whatever but I'm glad she did and I'm glad she just went well there you go <laughs> bosh job done that's incredible um, so yeah she was already there so she's she's then breastfeeding and like was it just before you knew it she was four or like what happened was it, literally, <laughs> was it, was it that much of kind of a smooth sail through breastfeeding uh, no, it definitely wasn't. So that initial latch by lovely midwife was great. Every subsequent latch after that for about a month was hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> because we we got back to the ward and she, I was like, kept trying to get her to latch. I was trying to recreate that magic moment that so she made it look so easy. And obviously the heads here, there and everywhere. I've got one this boob out. Let's try the other one flipping her over. Desperately trying to get it out to the point where I couldn't, she couldn't just like her, her mouth just wasn't the same shape as my boob it seemed because it felt like it just didn't fit like a jigsaw puzzle that wouldn't wouldn't work um and then the breast the midwife was like okay you're gonna have to manually express your colostrum to get and we'll syringe it to her so I was doing that like massaging myself and like getting this sticky colostrum out to to feed her like a baby lamb <laughs> 
It is weird, isn't it? Because like when you're grown up, you think breastfeeding is just like you pop your baby on your boob. You don't think of all these like, oh, I've got to like massage my boobs, syringe feed it into my baby. It's it's weird, isn't it? It is. It was really weird. And so, and but what was strange about it really was that how acclimatized I came to the fact that I had to just milk myself. I was like, oh, it's, I should probably, I should probably get her some more colostrum. Let's, let's get on the boob. Like, and obviously at that point I didn't have a pump or, you know, you can't really express at that point. Um, so I was doing that. And then the midwives at the hospital where, where I had her were so lovely. They said, we're not letting you leave until you feel like, do you want to breastfeed? And I was like, yeah, I think I want to keep giving it a go. And then, all right, we won't let you leave until you feel, until we've seen her latch and we've seen you do it. Um, so they kept me in for like an extra day. And I was like, okay, right. If I want to go home, I've got to get you on the boob. They won't let me go. <laughs> Which was really, really not really comforting to know that like they were yeah. really supportive of like, we're going to help you. Um, and then before the day we were supposed to leave, uh, I managed to kind of get her half on. She was she was latched because you can tell when they're latched. It you feel it. Um, so I could tell she was on. And she didn't feel very long, but they were like, that was enough. They're like, okay, fine, you can you can go home. And then we went home and again I just really struggled. And I think it was at the time where the health visitor would come to your house after this is pre-COVID times. So I think she was born, I think it was like on the Saturday. And so the health visitor wasn't coming until the Monday. So over that weekend, it was hand expressing or just desperately trying to get her on every, every, every feed, like trying to get, give her like a little bit. And it was quite, quite tense. I was quite, quite stressed about it. Um, a lot of like concentrating, just like, don't talk to me. (laughs) Just trying to (laughs) focus on getting her latched. Um, and then as another midwife, uh, the health visitor was in the midwife came over and uh, she's like, how's feeding? And I was like, oh, I'm really, like, I'm struggling to get her to, to like, to latch. And she's like, all right, sit down then. And then I showed her what I was doing. She's like, no, 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 no. She was like, arm, baby arm goes here. Baby head goes here. Your arm goes there. And, like, literally, like, like, plugged Paint me. my numbers kind of thing. Yeah. Like, just literally do this, this and this. Yeah, plugged me in, basically. And then after that, it was like, arm goes here, leg goes here. My arm here, baby head here, done. And that was like the feeding from then on um which was really really helpful and handy I still expressed uh for so that I, I wanted to give other people a chance to be able to feed her um so I was expressing and so my partner could do some feeds in the night and then I wouldn't have to and and so yeah we, we did some expressing as well as and to bottle feeding with milk but um but yeah and then and then after then up until she was two and, and we we stopped it was relatively straightforward um in terms of her her actual the mechanics of feeding her the time it takes and uh the demand was hard uh of her kind of constantly want not constantly wanting but of her that being her comfort for things and I fed on demand because that's what everybody says you should do is feed on demand you don't there's no schedule there's no timer when baby wants some milk baby gets some milk and so that was kind of the route up until she was two pretty much um obviously childcare outside of that uh so yeah so that was it was fun it, it did have its its tough tough moments definitely the the demand was tough so you wouldn't have got to that point where you were breastfeeding until the age of two had it not been for that kind of life-changing moment and that instruction that day yeah. where somebody said this this and this and it just it's it sounds to me then like that was the switch that was like a I get it baby gets it we're on a roll yeah. now 
yeah, it's me and you, kiddo. We got this. Uh, and, that, and that was that was it. It truly was. So I was very, very lucky that uh, that I had those people around. For the, the second one, um, it was a different experience in that it happens, I guess, a lot when you have a second is everyone's just like, you know what to do. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> and you kind of just I just kind of have to work it out a little bit more on my own and luckily he he was a very hungry boy just <laughs> a very hungry boy and um was able to find boob wherever I think anywhere in the country that boy could find my boob <laughs> just sniff him out like a bloodhound I think <laughs> did you find it really convenient the fact that you were able to breastfeed them both, you know, going out. I know it's a very different experience with your second one with the pandemic. So probably not as much kind of going out, but particularly with your first, you must have really enjoyed that. The freedom of I don't need anything else, just spare nappies and a change of clothes. That's it. Yeah, I, I did still take like the work, like my entire house out everywhere. We did went. you? Okay. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I do, I completely appreciate that. And it, it did become really easy just being like, oh, traveling hands free almost yeah um you've always got your boobs on you yeah that's the thing well hopefully you have you know, yeah you can kind of be anywhere you can be in a queue yeah, or whatever and it's like on any tv i am um, i in the beginning for the first kind of couple of i think maybe a month or two i expressed quite a lot to have milk in the fridge so that like i said my partner could feed in the night or if i was popping out somewhere like he could be fed by someone else that wasn't me um so I would still had bottles and a steriliser and, and would take, we had little things of formula just in case I were to spontaneously go up in flames, he could be fed, you know, or everything was considered. Um, and I'd, when washing the bottles, I'd be like, oh my God, this is a faff. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why yeah. am I doing this? Like, I don't have to do this really. Um, and then I kind of gradually kind of stopped expressing and my partner's like, you're going to express? And I was like, ugh, <laughs> must I? <laughs> <laughs> because it became really simple except the fact that that first moment of feeding in public is terrifying it's absolutely like it goes against every fiber of your of what's correct and what's appropriate and I didn't anticipate that I was like oh I'll breastfeed and you can just breastfeed anywhere you are and I remember the first time I did it we were in Westfield Stratford the Wagabombers and I hadn't expressed I hadn't bought anything with me and my partner's like, I think she's hungry. Like, do you want to give her a feed? And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, know. I guess, I guess, I guess I could. Yeah, sure, sure. And I wear this like big jumper, and like I hadn't bought any like maternity breastfeeding clothes because I find I think they're all ugly. <laughs> they're really ugly. So I hadn't. I was wearing like a big jumper with a top on underneath, and I was like, right. I'm trying to work out okay right how am I gonna I can't get her head through the top I'm gonna have to go so I kind of lifted it up and and managed to get her on and there's a picture of that and then I felt like so I felt like everyone in Westfield stopped in that moment and just looked at me like there's a woman with her breasts out and I it felt that way like the world had closed in um and then like she latched and I was like, I hit by my jumper a little bit and I, fe- I was feeding her and I was kind of looking around and like nothing happened no one said anything no one touched nobody even nobody even acknowledged that it was happening and I was like this is all in your head these these ideas of like because I think I'd seen a lot of with like a lot of negativity around public breastfeeding and lots of you know stories of women being shamed for breastfeeding or asked to go elsewhere or needing to feed in toilets and these kinds of things so I was really worried that somebody was going to approach me and say you can't do that here um but it didn't happen and I was like oh maybe we could do this again and then after then it was it was you know 
people ask me to put my boobs away. No, <laughs> <laughs> madam, your son and daughter aren't even here. Put put your breasts away. He's now 15 and he's eating at McDonald's. You do not need to get your boobs out of here. You don't need to get your breasts out, but I like it. <laughs> exactly. But it, it does feel entirely wrong. And I was talking to my partner about it because uh, was, it was a hot day and he was wearing his shirt off. And I said, do you know how how lucky you are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, there's nothing worse than sweaty boobs on a hot day. Oh, my God. It's horrid. It's the worst thing. And I was like, do you know how much courage it took me to get my boob out to feed our daughter? And you could just walk around with your man boobs out. <laughs> yes, you I should tell you, it doesn't have man boobs. That's, that's no, we, we'll, we'll clarify that. Don't worry. We'll, and I'll put a, um, a little comment in the show notes. Like, definitely, does not have, definitely does not have man boobs. <laughs> Did you think about the first feed before that day before you left the house and you needed to feed your baby like had you ever thought about oh like one day I'm going to feed out and about or had you not thought of that I think it was it was a thing that's like oh I'll I'll feed her outside like that will be a thing that will happen but I hadn't considered when it would happen how I would feel when it when it happened all I knew was is that I I had to be prepared it to not happen so I take a little bit of express milk in a bottle and that would be there and I would I guess subconsciously I was thinking about the day out like okay well how long is she going to be out she was a a fairly good sleeper so for like three hour chunks at a time okay we're very rarely out for longer than three hours in those kind of early days Mm. so I was like okay she's going to be asleep I'm not going to have to feed her while we're out fabulous (laughs) and when she does wake up I've got some express milk in the bag so I was I guess subconsciously consciously planning to not have to do it um and then that day I was faced with the kind of it was forced upon me of like, well, you didn't plan today, did you? <laughs> and, uh, and then in that moment, I realised how I really felt about it, which was absolutely terrified. Um, it's funny that you say that because I think that having spoken to quite a few friends since having our babies about what those early weeks were like, a lot of people hadn't really thought about feeding out and about. And if they had, they felt, well, it was just something that was going to happen you know they would be yeah. really prepared to breastfeed their baby if they had to when they're out um yeah and it's only when when you you're out in that situation that you kind of go oh yeah like this is it's gonna be a bit embarrassing like I've got to get my yeah. my, my boob out and and I wonder and I have no idea what your mum was like but my mother spent a lot of my teenage years telling me to put my boobs away you know like telling me to (laughs) pull my top up and all that kind of stuff because they kind of grew from nowhere and I didn't really know how to dress for my body shape and I just remember always being like you know oh like these men are looking at you like pull your top up or cover your boobs so and then like you have a baby and then suddenly it's well no actually they need access to it like you have to be prepared to like lift up your top or whatever and um and I found my first time feeding out and about exactly the same as you it's like oh well are they definitely hungry is he does he really definitely sure? feeding? and I remember my husband saying yeah like he's crying like he needs feeding and and me kind of fiddling <laughs> about and I did have a really awful like jumper like a nursing jumper and I remember trying to unzip the side <laughs> of it and it's one big you unzip the side and the whole front like lifts like this oh and you oh, know wow. you've got like your tummy out and everything and and yeah, I remember like, like some lift- kind of Chippendales <laughs> dancer just like a velcro Pretty much, yeah. And I lifted it up and I remember trying to get him to latch. And what nobody tells you is that even a new newborn baby moves their arms and legs around a lot. Like people yeah. talk about it being hard feeding a toddler because they're really mobile, but actually feeding even young babies, they don't lie still. So like you're trying no. to feed them and they're 
And his hands were like lifting my jumper up, yeah. touching the other boob. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, yep. don't do that. But they're, they're really active. You can try and do it really gracefully, but you genuinely have no control over it. You know, like. No, just, <laughs> don't. And like, I, I think somebody asked on my like when I was pregnant, if I wanted a, a, a feeding like shawl. And I like, I said, oh, no, I'll see how I get on. And obviously feeding, it doesn't matter how much a kit you have a shawl or a cover or or whatever if if a child wants to disgrace you they're going to disgrace you like it, it doesn't matter like it's just giving them more things to pull and tug on so just yeah yeah <laughs> to pull down the shawl and it is making much more of a song and dance about it just just let it be <laughs> yeah just crack on yeah. so your first experience breastfeeding your son out and about yeah how did that differ like do you even remember it or were you just such a pro by that stage you were like let's just do this yeah I think I think I don't want to say pro because that that makes me sound far too professional but um I don't actually remember the first time we fed him out actually I do remember I do oh, okay. uh, the first time I fed him out was and this goes to show you like post fourth trimester mental madness um especially with the second so I he was eight days old and my partner decided to take our eldest to a baby rave and I was like what had happened in the week kind of preceding that was that my daughter had come back and she was happy with her baby brother absolutely loved him and then my partner left the room and she looked at me in the eye and said I don't like you anymore (gasps) and I crumbled I just like crying and then my partner came back and I was like what's happened I was like she said she didn't like me and he was like what and I was heartbroken and obviously it's just it's that it's that shift of attention and obviously at the time she was like two and a half which she's two and a half doesn't mean it she's quite articulate Um, for a two and a half year old isn't she good uh, language skill there (laughs) very articulate um and I was like, oh, it's it's not her. But after that, I was like, I need to be and to do more. She's she's obviously already noticing that my time is taken with the baby. I need to be more present. I need to focus. So eight days after he was born, I was like, I'm going to take uh, our oldest to this baby rave, and I was like, I'm coming. Like, you sure about that? I was like, yep, I'm coming. Book me a ticket. I'll bring we'll bring the baby. It's absolutely fine. So I was in uh, a baby kind of R and B baby rave in I think it's like an all-star or Bloomsbury lanes like a bowling alley in like Marble Arch with like all these toddlers running around this is incredible I did not even know that you could get these kind of events yeah this is brilliant they're fabulous um and they really have like a children's entertainer it's all R&B music so it's music you could enjoy um and they'd like do games it's really really fun she had a great time with like one of our one of our friends and her uh, and his daughter um and I remember there was like nowhere to sit so I was like perched on the edge of a table feeding this tiny tiny baby uh still like kind of high off c-section kind of <laughs> drugs and paracetamol and ibuprofen all the rest of it feeding him on the edge of a table at a baby rave like stood up <laughs> and I think that was when I first fed him outside that... so if if you want to talk pro I think that's that's pretty pro still like kind of can't breathe because <laughs> I'm still recovering from a c-section but I, I have to be present so this please is tell me you've got a picture of that first breastfeed I don't think I have a picture. I think I've got a picture oh, of the baby be... rave. I might, I might see if I've got a picture of me, probably in the background looking like I'm about to kill her. <laughs> but that's just like, you know, the fact that you were just able to do that, I think yeah. probably says a lot about your, do you reckon your confidence levels? Do you think it's just the, like, 
even well, despite whatever else is going on with you, it's like they need feeding. I'm just going to crack on with it. Yeah, that's, I think that was it. It was just like he needs he needs a feed. So now we we feed, we go. And obviously by this yeah. point, I'd been feeding my eldest for like two years. Obviously we had a little break. Um, and so it's just, it needs to be done. I think, is it confidence? I do think it was it's, it was fourth trimester okay. hormones making yeah, you do yeah. crazy things because yeah. it's a completely <laughs> irrational place to be eight days after having a baby. Like <laughs> you don't, you didn't need to be at the baby <sighs> rest. Wow. <laughs> you could have just stayed in. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think I think by that point it's just it needed to happen. And he was he was a good a good latcher and a a, a good feeder. He'd like feed for a long time, whereas my oldest was like kind of short shorter bursts, but more frequent. Whereas his was like long and drawn out, like really gonna enjoy this mum. Like, <laughs> In fact, I'm gonna come off and then just go straight back on again. It's yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> Seconds, please. Okay, cool. <laughs> Before you had your children, how much did you see breastfeeding around, you know, whether it's friends or family, like were there people in your life growing up breastfeeding? Is it something that you was on your kind of on your radar? Do you no, think? The, you know, the only person I remember breastfeeding was an aunt of mine. So it was my, one of my stepdad's sisters. And when I was a kid, she had, they had, uh, she had a baby, obviously. Um, and I remember she breastfed and quite openly when we go around for like, they'd alternate Sundays at each kind of sibling's house. And I remember we'd go around there and she would be openly breastfeeding. Um, no shawl, no over the jumper, just fully breastfeeding uh, this baby. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, <laughs> just being a bit like taken aback the fact that yeah. you know, there was a member of the family who just had their boobs out and be like, oh, I don't even know where to look. Um <laughs> And I do remember my mum uh, commenting uh, on the way to one of these family members' gatherings um, about the age of the child she was feeding and how it was probably time to knock her on the head. Um, I do remember that. So maybe that has been percolated in the back of my mind. That's interesting. <laughs> um, do you know how old? Do you know how old um, the baby child would have been? I think there couldn't have been more than one. I think maybe one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember it being like they weren't talking to me as a child. We weren't, we weren't playing together as kids. I mean, it wasn't yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. They were definitely still in yeah. a babe in arms. Um, but yeah, my mum was very much like, oh. <laughs> still. <laughs> and it's interesting because now we're like, whoa, yeah, like that's you know, got minimum breastfeeding. Yeah. It's very like, yeah, definitely breastfeed to a year, two years, beyond whatever, whatever you like to do. Yeah. When you when you talk to your friends about breastfeeding, if you do, what was their reaction like to breastfeeding past you know that kind of year mark where we say, you know, you need to feed at least breast milk or formula for that first year because after yeah. that it feels a little bit like people go, oh, it's all right, you can give it a rest now. I don't know if you ever had that. Yeah, it it did feel a little bit like that. And, and maybe if I had more friends having babies with my first, maybe I would have felt the pressure to conform. But I think knowing my feeding journey from my first and how I was like, okay, well, that's that's the aspiration to try and do the same for just for equality's purposes. Um, I don't want them to have a conversation when they're 18, like, well, that's why you only got X GCSEs because you're only breastfed until you were one. Like, I don't want, I don't want anyone to throw that back at anyone over the dinner table, okay? You were breastfed to the same age, okay? <laughs> the quality of the breast milk, first and second child, we could quibble over, but you had the same opportunities. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, no, I didn't feel any pressure to, 
to stop from anyone else. This uh, the second one, I was like, I'm gonna do me. You do you, boo. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what the ending was like, though. Did you, was it just a case of it stopped the day that they wanted to stop? Or was there a little bit of, no, oh, so we want to slow it down? It was kind of sad. And it wasn't my choice, really. So we were feeding uh, my oldest until she was two. And um, then I got pregnant with my second. And so she was still having feeds kind of before bed and in the night my oldest one um and then gradually the more and more pregnant I got my boobs just stopped making milk they were like we need a break <laughs> madam <laughs> we, the shop is shut we are under we are under refurbishment please <laughs> we need to restock the shelves we need to clean the ducts leave us alone <laughs> um so it just naturally came to an end and I was thinking as before we I obviously could you to come on this I was like when and I see people like will post about that this is our last feed our journey has been xyz or whatever um and I'm like I can't mark the last feed I don't know when it was I don't know what day or what time oh. it that we that it she just came over and I think I remember having a conversation be like it's like she'd come over she'd try and be like no milksy milks and she'd go, no milksy milks. And then she'd kind of go mm. and then she'd go lie down and, and we do a little bedtime routine. But I can't remember the last time she said to me, no milksy milks. And I was, that made me feel quite sad. And I thought to myself, okay, for this, for, for my youngest now, I was like, I don't have any plans to have a third. Although my one good uterus, uh, one good uterus, one good ovary, I've got a uterus. Um, my one good ovary is pushing for a third. Like it's really <laughs> pumping the hormones out. Uh, but uh, it's it's not on the pluck cards anytime soon. So um, I do have to think about the fact that there. When is that going to be? And I I don't I don't want to think about it at the moment. If I'm honest with you, um, mm. and I'm quite happy to let him dictate when that is. That would be really nice if he got to like you know, two and a half and was like, Do you know what, you've had a good run, mum. No, thank you. No, gracias. <laughs> but what happened with your daughter is like it's that's kind of sad from your perspective because it's like oh, you know that it kind of just ended. But it's sort of really beautiful as well. The fact that it ended really quite naturally, and yeah. it was it was just you know oh, there's no milk left, and and then and it's over, and there's no you know having to sit down each night and explain stuff and deal with any kind of you know heartbreak over it It was just a it's this is what's happening and then yeah she was very understanding very very understanding I was thinking about it now strange strange (laughs) for a two-year-old to be so reasonable (laughs) just like yeah because they are famously reasonable creatures two-year-olds aren't they famously reasonable and completely (laughs) rational for (laughs) two-year-olds And let's hopefully, hopefully, it continued in other aspects of uh, her life then as well. Um, yeah. I've been trying to get my toddler into his car seat on a few occasions recently, and he just decided he doesn't like it. He wants to walk everywhere, which oh, isn't yeah. great because we don't really live anywhere with good public transport. So it's like <laughs> we have to get in the car. Yeah, we'll we have fall. to get in the car. Uh, we have two-year-olds are insane. Uh, my soon-to-be two-year-old now um, has taken to just telling people off whenever we get on the bus. People get on and they'll smile at him and they'll say, no, Otis bus. Or like, no, my bus. And I'm like, you can't say that. Why are you being so rude? He's like giving them, glaring, giving them death stares because he thinks the bus is his. I'm like, I, excuse me, sir. 
just that's mental. so funny just that's mental. so funny so he has, has maybe people should be giving him their bus fare then rather than maybe. the bus driver like, he, wants to, he wants to drive the bus he wants to do the tickets he wants to do the bail it's just everything 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 all the time anyway oh, that's, sorry. So, that's so funny that's so cute as breastfeeding you know as he's got older and you start to breastfeed a little bit less do you feel like there's certain points of the day where he's breastfeeding, like, you know, where he was breastfeeding? So it's kind of like, is it an, it, was it kept as a night thing or an evening thing? Like, how was it? So when I went back to work, he, I went back to work when he was seven months. So he went into almost full-time childcare. Um, and so then I had to go back to expressing. So he'd have milk at nursery because he was under one at that point. So I was expressing in the office, putting it in the fridge, like telling everyone, because I, I work in an office with like lots and lots of women. So they'd like, arrange like a room for me to go and express in. Most days I was like, guys, do you mind if I put the pump on? And they're like, no, it's all right. So I'd just be at my desk doing emails, expressing um, that lovely sound. Um so I was doing that. So he kind of went from having on demand in the daytime to very quick gear change of you're getting it from a bottle at, at nursery. And he didn't take to it. It was kind of became very, he'd wait till he was extremely hungry and then down all the milk that I'd expressed for the day on his way home because it's like <laughs> stubborn. He was like, I don't want you to give it to me lady at nursery I want daddy to have to feed me three bottles of express milk on a bus <laughs> that's what I want because I'm so hungry I can let my guard down with dad with you guys I'm proud stoic I don't want it um so that's what he'd do like on the way home and then they'd be like he won't take the milk and then he'd like ah like two fists um, down to it. <laughs> ridiculous um so then he, he kind of went down to just in the year like the minute I got back from work it was like okay Otis is on the boob and then um in the night so we co-sleep as well I did with my oldest and I do it with him so then he he feeds himself with it like basically I'm just a milk repository in the night time um just finds his way on his side is there I don't even notice that he's there most of the time um I did that with my oldest I worked out that I could feed her lying down when she must have been about between eight and 12 weeks old, I worked out I could do it. And then that changed sleep for us. And I was like, I'm never going back. So <laughs> <laughs> putting a baby in a crib, you you sleep here now. Yeah. Do you not feel like you wish that you'd discovered that earlier? I, I think it yeah. was the same for me. It was like a few weeks down the line. And I was like, like it just works. Like, wh why did I not get the hang of this? I think I tried it when he was about a month old and it didn't work. And then I tried yeah. it again and I'm like, this just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It just makes it means you can sleep, they can sleep. It's just so much easier. So with the the second one, from day dot, he was in the bed to the point where my partner got evicted. Kind of still is evicted, to be honest. He even said he refers to it as yours and yours and your our son's room. That's that's your room because I don't sleep in there anymore. <laughs> because it's your it's your bed. Um so from day dot with him as a as a tiny newborn, we were co sleeping and feeding. So it was in the evening and throughout the night he'd feed. Um and now we're at a point where he he'll have evening and uh in through the night at the same, but then at the weekends it's all bets are off the you know the the titty bar is open and it's back to that kind of more on demand on demand thing like he was like he was a newborn basically which I think some people would be like that is an insane way to live your life <laughs> <laughs> so you're still kind of feeding on demand and I say on demand he he will demand and there'll be times from like Otis I can't now mummy's got to do xyz because I could reason with him a little bit and mm. he'll kick off a bit and I'm like later booby later <laughs> my favorite booby later he's like booby later yes Yes. When later? 
10 past five okay because Remy really needs to go do something like sometimes when I come home from work I know the first thing he's going to say to me is booby yeah mummy booby booby and there is a small thing we're like about to put the key in the door that I'm like take a breath Mm -hmm. because we're going to have to and obviously all those things that you as a as a parent you're trying to not only regulate teach them to regulate but I I don't know about if you for this but constantly self-regulating of like of who am I presenting? Who? What energy am I bringing into the house? What are they gonna? What am I modelling? And it's this kind of not not performative because that makes it sound um, extreme, but there is an element of like I've got to take the edge off my face before I walk in. I've got to take the edge off. I've got to take some bass out of my voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because if I get in and I d- desperately need to go to the toilet, but the yeah. first thing that confronts me is a tiny little person that's like booby, booby, booby. <laughs> It's like, ah! <laughs> You've got to work it out. So there is that that pressure of like regulating the feeds to make mm. sure that there's enough time for myself to do the things, the basic human functions I need to perform, um, and not be a slave to the yeah, two-year-old like tyrant. <laughs> going to the loo, having a shower, you know, brushing your teeth, yeah. personal hygiene. Sometimes that's all you want is just some time to do those things. <laughs> Sometimes all I want is put, put on deodorant in peace. That's all I want. <laughs> it's a simple life. <laughs> Without the mummy, booby, booby. So what's interesting is, is I've discovered then that you do refer to boobies as boobies um, with your son. So you, you call them boobies. So yeah. I do that with my son and my husband did say to me, be careful about calling them boobies all the time because you will go out with him to places and he will say, oh, mummy boobies. And I said, oh, it'll be fine. But he has grown up now to be a toddler that says boobies. So often we're in a supermarket queue and he'll get a bit bored and then he'll say, mummy boobies. And he has <laughs> shouted it before, like in Sainsbury's <laughs> really loudly. And it's yeah. embarrassing. Does your son <laughs> do the same? Does he refer to them as boobies in public? Oh yeah, he has absolutely no no decorum. No, no yeah, no manners whatsoever. Um, hundred percent boobies <laughs> all the time, and it's always booby please, booby please. He's mummy. polite. He's polite. Then that's he'll good. Say, he'll yeah. say please, yeah. but he does scream. And what he does is, is if I am feeding him, we're out and about. He and he's done on one. He'll pull his head back and look up and go, other one, <laughs> and then I have to flip him over to the other one. <laughs> And there have been times where I've been feeding him out and he's done this little, his little skit. And I've been like on a train or I've been sat in in close proximity to somebody and I've seen them side-eye me and like, look at him. As if to be like, did he just say what I think he said? (laughs) Like, "Mm -hmm." it's very particular. (laughs) I'll fall one. I love that. (laughs) Was there a change in how you felt about breastfeeding in public when he started to talk? Did you feel any differently about breastfeeding? Because when you're breastfeeding a baby and then they're not yet speaking, it's like, yeah, you're breastfeeding a baby. But when they start yeah. talking, it's a little bit like, oh, are they changing from a baby into a into a yeah. boy or into a girl? Like you feel a little bit more like they're they're a child rather than that, you know, like yeah. the kind of tiny baby. Um, did you ever feel like, oh, are people going to think anything about me breastfeeding an older child? Um, I I didn't think. I didn't. Th- I don't think consciously about it because I think I'm very much like I'm feeding a child. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. This, you, I'm not doing anything. For, I'm not feeding a middle-aged man. I'm feeding a child. <laughs> There's nothing weird about this. It's, it doesn't take. It's not rocket science to work out what's going on here. It's not that hard. Very yeah. natural. Very normal. Yeah. But I have noticed that 
the in that when I talked about the kind of initial fear of, of thinking that everybody's looking at you I, I have noticed now with my my second particularly I didn't notice it with the first maybe I wasn't paying attention but um I do clock look side glances people are like oh like there I've I've observed that kind of shift in people's energy if I've been sat somewhere next to somebody and then he said, booby, please. And then I've gone to feed him. I, there are people who will give me a little, really, kind of thing. Um, thinking I can't see them, but I can. Uh, mm. And that kind of, or if you're having a conversation with somebody who maybe doesn't doesn't know that I, I do extended breastfeeding, um, and I'll be having a chat with them, normal, normal, normal. He'll come over. I'll give him a feed. We're still having a chat. And I can see that there's this kind of moment of silence where the conversation stops as they kind of notice what's going on. And then he's on and I start chatting again. They're like, oh, okay, this is just a thing that happens. And in that that silent moment, I can tell that they're they're putting the pieces together and they're, they're, they're dealing with their own discomfort at the fact that yeah. this little boy who was just singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star has come over, said booby, and I've, I've got my boob yeah, out for him. Um, so they, I have noticed that people people's energy changes when they start talking, but I don't care. <laughs> no, and you, sh- and you shouldn't care. And what's brilliant is, is the more that we see people like you breastfeed an older baby out and about, then the more normal it will hopefully become and yeah. hopefully there'll be future generations of of parents that will feel like we can absolutely breastfeed for as long as we like no one's going to yeah. say anything because it will no. just be you know well, people will kind of see it and then they just it won't even register no and do you know what my um my partner is like a, a, a big breastfeeding advocate loves loves breastfeed loves the fact that both our kids have been breastfed and he he says oh well you know you're going to keep breastfeeding until he's about five six and even then like do you want to maybe start thinking about expressing because like the health benefits <laughs> of breast milk are so great you can use it on a cereal <laughs> yeah it's genuinely like you should you should seriously start thinking about expressing and like putting some in the freezer for like when they get like quite old and they're sick and they're like they can't feed off the boob that we have some in reserve <laughs> this is hilarious because you know that bodybuilders they pay money for breast yeah. milk apparently it's a thing yeah, yeah I'll be like, really careful because your other half sounds very supportive but also it sounds like he might start selling your breast milk if you yeah. <laughs> express too much of it <laughs> yeah I made it very clear I'm not a cow no, exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not creating a, a bottle bank like just happening the but fact yeah, that no. your partner is so supportive about breastfeeding is that unusual amongst your friends like do you feel like your other half is maybe a bit more supportive than the average I to be fair, I'm biased, but I do think he is generally in a lot of things more supportive than the average human. Like he's yeah. weirdly, but the reason I do stand up is partly because of him. So I um I started stand up after my second child was born, and I kind of feels born in the October, and in the January I started to feel quite sad, low, never diagnosed, but I would definitely now looking back, it was definitely postnatal depression it was it was the, the the workings of it and um it went on for about three months and I finally said listen I I am in despair like I can't I I can I offer no worth to the world I have no value I feel fearful of everything I tired I'm tired like I just I feel like I'm losing my mind um and so like he he we spoke about it at length and he was like okay let's shift up the routine let's get you know let's just work something out a plan of like how to get you well um, and then kind of this was working and I was like, I still feel 
really trapped. And um, this is off the back of a pandemic where I've been at home for a year. I'd been on furlough. I'd been on maternity leave before then. So it was like two and a bit years of kind of just being indoors and being mum. And I was just really struggling. And uh, I still kind of hadn't quite worked it out. And he said, what's your wildest dream? And I said, just, I don't know what came to me. I said, stand up comedy. And he said, well, then go and do that then. And so after I'd said it out loud, I had to hold myself to account because I, I have no capacity for bullshit. So I uh, I put myself into a comedy Keep from course. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no capacity for it. And so I have to, I had to, you do know, it. decide. Yeah, yeah, do it. So I booked a course and, um, and then the rest is history. And, you know, whatever has happened has happened. But it was because of him being like, do something mental and I will support you in whatever you want to do and ever since starting he's very much like what needs to happen what do I need to do and he's just in an insanely supportive to the point where I sometimes think like where are you hiding all of your negative emotions where are they like he's got a bit of dry skin on his knee and like is it in there is that where you keep them is that why you can't moisturize that bit of your leg is that where they live any kind of feelings of like they're just taking too much time doing this or you're out too late or or you know you shouldn't breastfeed our son like no, nothing just nothing it's just yeah cool what's the plan what do you want to yeah. do let's do it it's just great so I'll, I'll, I'll take a brief moment to hype up my partner because he's a he's a pretty good egg even if he is slightly tyrannical in his you know endeavor to monetize my breast milk that, <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing but he is amazing Oh, isn't she wonderful? Chantal Nash there, breastfeeder, amazing mum. I'm sure she's a brilliant wife to what sounds like the most incredibly supportive husband too, who's not only encouraged and seen the value of her time and effort in breastfeeding their children, but has also supported her in her dream to become a comedian. And she is doing it. In fact, she's already been on TV, even though she started stand-up just last year. Isn't that incredible? This year, she's been a finalist on the BBC New Comedy Awards and she does heaps of gigs. She's got lots lined up for the future too. If you're interested in finding out more about her, you can head to our Instagram page, The Next Feed Podcast, and you'll find a link there to her social media account. And I'll link it in the show notes too. So yeah, a really positive breastfeeding experience on the whole for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you can hit subscribe or follow to be notified when the next episode drops. You've been listening to The Next Feed, the breastfeeding podcast. If you want to listen to more, hit subscribe on the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also on social media. All the links can be found by heading to thenextfeedpodcast.com.